Support for today's episode comes from Maple Leaf Foods. We all have questions about the food we cook. Is it natural? Is it good for my family? What about the planet? Maple Leaf's answer is in the foods they're proud to provide with natural ingredients for Canadian families. I just do it with the fork so that it will blend with the meat and kind of use as a... I've never made tortilla before. This is my first time. Like an instant potato. I didn't grow up with a lot of traditional French-Canadian culture or influences. It's just like the antithesis of, you know, my culinary career. It's not fine dining, it's not white tablecloth. It's kind of tacky and very homey. So I, I love it for that reason. Hi, I'm Sarah Martin, and this is Home Cooked, a podcast about family recipes and why they get passed on. Today, Ivy Knight, a former line cook turned award-winning writer. Her writing exposes the underbelly of professional kitchen life. But despite the importance food plays in her life, and despite her French-Canadian roots, Ivy has never made her grandma's tortillère. Okay, and what are you guys cooking today? Uh, we're going to do tourtière. Uh, that's a traditional dish that French Canada, Quebec, uh, do usually at Christmas time. That's Ivy's Aunt Janine. Ivy came to her aunt's kitchen to learn about her grandma's tortière for the first time. That's because Ivy's own mom stopped making the dish years ago. The way she learned English really traumatized her. The family moved and put her in an English school. She'd never spoken English in her life. And the school was run by evil nuns who basically beat English into her. So it was pretty traumatic. Ivy's mom's family is from Quebec, and tortière is the quintessential French-Canadian dish. But Ivy's mom left Quebec abruptly in her teens. And when she did, she left her language and her French-Canadian recipes behind. Ivy's aunt Janine stayed in Quebec until her mid-20s. She's closer to the family's French heritage, and she has all of Ivy's grandma's old recipes. So it's Aunt Janine here today, who's ready to teach her beloved niece the family tortière. So what do we start with? Where does it begin? So we start with uh, ground pork and onions, and uh, I'll cut up the onions in small pieces. We're in Aunt Janine's spotless new kitchen in her home in Wasega Beach, Ontario. It's about an hour north of Toronto, and it's a world apart from the way Ivy grew up. Then I put uh, oil and I fry up the pork with some spices. Janine is laying out sage, a teaspoon of thyme, and two tablespoons of summer savory to make Ivy's grandma Marthe's tortilla recipe. It's a dish Janine learned to make growing up in the Gaspésie, a rugged peninsula on the south shore of the St. Lawrence River. Gaspé is where Jacques Cartier first arrived in 1534 and where the first French settlers settled in Canada. Where we lived when I, when I was a kid, in L'Alverne, uh, in the Gaspé coast, very small village, um, we didn't have a lot of spices. Of course, if you go in different regions, it's all different uh, spices and different, but this is kind of my mother's recipe. Well, it's not really kind your mother's No, it's not really. You're right. You've changed it. Because my mother's meat pies were a little too dry, <laughs> so we decided to uh, make it a little better. Now that she's passed away, we've yeah, changed she, the recipe. We could never do that if she was still alive because she would be really mad at us. <laughs> Ivy's grandma Marth died recently at the age of 99. Ivy was very close to her. 
Ivy's always been curious about the French-Canadian repertoire, but somehow she never made the dish. When her aunt offered to show her how to make it, she jumped at the chance. I've never made this before. Most of the time when I've had tortillere in restaurants made by chefs, it's always too chefed with. The tortillere that you get in a grocery store somewhere in Quebec is usually more palatable. Mm-hmm. Any tortillere you get in a restaurant is usually really heavy on the cloves, and they don't serve it with the traditional accompaniments because they would be seen as too low class. Yeah. So everything's too fancy. Tortillere, it's a minced meat pie. Most French Canadian families have some version of it that's been passed on through the generations. It's also a forgiving dish in that it can take about anything you throw into it. Aunt Janine is tweaking Marthe's recipe a bit here today, and the kitchen is filling up with a rich, savory aroma. Probably could use a little bit of salt, I think. Something she would never have done if Marthe was still alive. And pepper. Because Marthe Mayou was a legendary cook in her small village. So my mom had like magic fingers with food. She could make a meal out of a small little chicken, you know, or whatever. The kitchen was in the the whole back of the house and we had a wood stove, of course, because we didn't have electricity until I was in grade five. So and she made homemade soup for every meal and dessert for every meal. And she was the best at pastry. Janine and Ivy's mom, Rose, spent their childhood in a small town called L'Alverne. It's on the Gaspé Peninsula, close to the northern border of New Brunswick. Janine says their mom, Marthe, cooked all the time, out of necessity and also for pleasure. Lumber was the big industry back then, and Janine can remember Marthe doing batch cooking for all the men at the nearby lumber camp. Uh, My mom was the cook for about 35 men. And so mom just cooked a feast. She was good at that. Well, she would always say that when she fed the men, they would freak out and say, this is as good as wedding food. Yeah. And the town where they lived, where Anjanin grew up, doesn't exist anymore. Oh, yeah, it exists. There's about uh, 25 people there. Well, when you I went, me- I just went there last week. Because <laughs> mom said, Laverne doesn't exist anymore. All that's left is one tree. And so we went to see a dead tree, and she said, this is all that's left of my hometown. Still, I think, about 25 people. Really? Yeah. Wow. It still has a sign. So it was just mom being mom. Yeah. Just going to put a little bit more. It's sort of strange that it's such a staple of French-Canadian cuisine, and I didn't know of its existence growing up. We didn't have any kind of French-Canadian content in our lives, except for mom's weekly phone call to her family when we would hear her speaking French. Maybe it's not surprising that Ivy's mom thought Lalverne had disappeared. She hasn't gone back to Quebec much since she left. Ivy grew up on Prince Edward Island, just across the water from where her ancestors came from, but a world apart culturally. Her mom, Rose, still lives there today. Okay, now I'm going to peel the potatoes so that it starts boiling while the meat is cooking. My mother never put a potato in it, um, so maybe that's why it was dry. I think the potato kind of sticks the, the meat together, helps it to keep it, keep it 
when I got older, especially when I got into the food world and thought there's this whole culinary identity and culinary history that comes with French Canada that I don't know anything about. And that's when I started asking my aunt Janine, what is all of this? Are we French Canadian? Are we Acadian? What the heck are we? <laughs> and that's part of the reason why Ivy is here today. In making this tortilla with her aunt, she's hoping to get a bit closer to her mom's French Canadian roots. So I just kind of, I mashed the potato, but not, like, not like mashed potatoes. And besides, Janine has always had a particular soft spot for her niece. She is my favorite niece. And I don't have a daughter, so she is uh, very close to me. I think the world of Ivy, and I also think that she's um, fun, intelligent, creative, she was always my inspiration as far as being a career woman and having it all in that she was married and she had a kid and a dog and was really, really, really successful in her career. And I didn't know at the time that I had a type A personality. I don't know. There's a lot of like the backwoods in our upbringing. And there's a lot of poverty. And my aunt is the ultimate success story. And so my aunt is a little bit like a Celine Dion. And she came from the backwoods and she took over the world of accounting, but still. <laughs> La Laverne was a backwoods village deep in the heart of rural Quebec, somewhat primitive by today's standards. But thanks to their mother, Moth, there was always plenty of good food to eat. It was not back to the land, it was fully of the land. Everything was made from scratch, and my grandmother was a genius at reusing or recycling things. She made all of their clothes, she did all of the cooking. Janine and Rose's parents were well-respected in the village, but their dad was a World War II vet, and he was markedly different in the privacy of his own home. We had our problems. When we closed the door, my dad, my dad would be months without drinking, and that was good. But when he was drinking, he was breaking everything, and so, but we never wanted to show people. I graduated, and I had money to go to university, and I was all ready. I was accepted, and my father, with his uh, drinking, was going to lose the truck that he needed for his business, so I gave him the money. And I went to work in Camelton. So, I, so in 1967, they lost the house that they were paying $25 a month for. And then a year later, my mother said, OK, I've had enough. With Janine off on her own, Marth packed up their things and left Lalverne for good. She moved to Ontario. She took her youngest daughter, Rose, with her, settling in English-speaking Hamilton. And she put Rose in a school run by the nuns. Rose was 15. Well, I think that was a time of great upheaval because she had been living in Laverne with her whole family. And then she was the youngest, so her elder siblings had grown up and moved out. So she was really abandoned in a lot of ways. In Hamilton, Rose hooked up with a band of hippies, and they became her new family. The group left Ontario to go plant trees out in B.C. Then together, they all moved all the way across the country, finally landing in PEI to Homestead. Homesteading went hand-in-hand hand with the hippie movement, a self-sufficient lifestyle of subsistence agriculture, making preserves and homemade clothing. 
By the time Rose reached PEI, she had two-year-old Ivy in tow, and she started a new life on a new farm with her new partner, Rob. My parents and their gang of hippies built our house, and they had never built a house before. And it still stands to this day, so that's good. But uh, there was no delineated kitchen. It was all big, one big room with a wood stove in the middle. And I don't know how my mother did it, but she cooked everything on that wood stove until we got electricity and gas and everything put in and eventually got a real kitchen set up. When did that happen? How old were you when you got the quote-unquote real kitchen? Well, early days we had no running water or electricity, so I watched Sesame Street on a black and white TV that was hooked up to a tractor battery. In many ways, Ivy's mom's house in PEI was a lot like Grandma Moth's house in Lalverne. The familiar wood stove, similar kitchen, vegetable garden. We had a garden, it was enormous, so we ate very well. We had a pump in the front yard for water and a creek down the hill. It's nuts, just recounting this is crazy. It was pretty little house on the prairie and there was sort of this barter system in PEI, so dad would trade the hay on the land to get a side of beef, or I think he would trade weed for things too. They were using a lot of wood that they just found. Um, there are a lot of falling down barns around PEI and they just salvaged and scavenged for materials. So well before hipster restaurateurs were using reclaimed barn board, my parents had put it in our kitchen. But even though life on the farm was good, the community at large wasn't exactly welcoming. Ivy's family carried Rob's French-Canadian last name, Etier. Growing up with that last name was not fun. Prince Edward Island is one of the most insular places on Earth. It has the largest population of Scots outside of Scotland, and everyone was related, and everyone was seventh or eighth generation Islander. And there was anti-French sentiment, but we could have been Latvian or we could have been African and we would have always, we would have been labeled the way they label anyone who's not born on PEI as from away, which is sort of treated as this endearing quality of the islanders, but it's actually, it's, it's hardcore. So there was a gang of hippies on the island, but they weren't accepted. You're surrounded by... Catholic fishermen and farmers. So this counterculture <laughs> with men with long hair and potheads. And then there's some French in the mix. It was uh, a recipe for disaster. So what all did you put in? Savory. Savory, I'll put some more. Not yeah. enough. Salt, pepper, no clove. No, I don't like clove. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but uh, I thought clove was traditional, even though you say there's Not, a different version in every Yeah, no, my mother area. never put clove. No? No. I always knew that we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have, like, things that the other kids had. If there was, like, I never had a swatch watch, which I would have killed for, you know, or, or I don't even know, Adidas sneakers or anything. Um, so that kind of stuff we didn't have. But there were a lot of other kids who didn't have it too. I think more um, we were other because, of the, because we were not from PEI, because of the French, because of the hippie 
and you know just we sort of always were a little bit off center no. so clove was for what moncton people uh, probably moncton or montreal or uh cascapedia <laughs> in the Gatsby coast or uh, you know it was uh but not in lavern nope but ivy says her mom rose finally felt at home in pei she embraced the counterculture because my mom's side of the family came out of dirt poverty there's sort of two sides of the family there's those who worship money and those who don't and my mom has always been the black sheep because she doesn't really give a shit about money i'm going to go make my crust which is in the freezer not my crust okay, okay. i cheat on that one i think a lot of people do yeah those economic and lifestyle differences started to create a chasm in the sisters relationship so when Ivy's mom moved out to PEI and you saw her living the lifestyle she was living, was it a shock for you? Yeah. Like, we would go and visit and, and not stay too long because, oh, my God, yeah. But that's, I think that's what happens when you're a hippie. I don't know if you care or if you don't care, but uh, no electricity, no running water. Um, the house was half finished, and they just sit there. They don't do anything. So um, Brian and I would come, and Brian would say, hey, Rob, let's go. We'll finish your cupboards. No, no, I don't feel like it today. Yeah, so I was, um, I, I try not to judge. How is that going? I don't know if you need more water in here. I'm not sure. Do you find that you want to intervene when people are cooking because of the knowledge that you have? Um, no, I think that's just my personality in general. Janine recognized Ivy's strong personality from a young age. Even when she was little. Like, I remember going to Prince Edward Island, and she was, like, maybe 10. And uh, we talk about something business, and she knew exactly what I was talking about and came up with some comments. Like, I thought, oh, this girl is so smart. You know, she was different than just a little girl. You know, she was just like an adult at 10, you know. Ivy says she never felt entirely compatible with the hippie lifestyle of her parents. So when she was old enough to go out on her own, she left PEI. And like her mother before her, she went to the other end of the country. That move would set her off on a career path from line cook to becoming one of Canada's best-known food writers. It turned out that that rugged childhood living off the land prepared her for the gritty chaos of kitchen life. Ivy knew how to be an outsider. But is cooking this tortilla today with her French-Canadian Aunt Janine too much of a step away from her mom's self-defined culture? Or is it maybe a way to get a bit closer to her? We'll be back with more of Ivy's story after the break. Maple Leaf knows that more and more families are thinking about eating a little less meat. At the same time, many of us love family recipes for things like homemade burgers, tacos, meat sauces, and breakfasts. Maple Leaf wants to help and share great-tasting food. Introducing new 50-50 from Maple Leaf. It's 50% premium meat, 50% natural and plant-based ingredients, and 100% delicious. 
Maple Leaf 50-50 is now available in beef burgers, dinner and breakfast pork sausages, and beef grounds in your store's fresh meat section. Maple Leaf thinks of it as the meat for people who want to eat a little less meat, with zero taste compromise. It's the same great taste of what you love, but with 50% less meat and plant-based ingredients you can feel good about. And now it's here to try with your favorite family recipes. Maple Leaf, they're for real. We're back in Wasega Beach. Janine Brooks is teaching her niece, award-winning food writer and culinary personality Ivy Knight, to make her family's tortilla for the first time, with a couple of modern twists. Very traditional. <laughs> They're taking a shortcut on the pie crust, using a frozen pie shell, not making it from scratch, but don't tell anyone. I have a very strange career path, and I have n- I'm not rich by any means, but I've always had this type A personality, and... This feeling of, don't tell me it's impossible, I can make it happen no matter what. When Ivy found the restaurant industry, she discovered a culture suited to her own driven personality. You're doing a job that's insanely hard, but that anyone can do. You're doing something that, like, most people would not work 12 hours for seven bucks an hour. Uh, to be abused the entire time. (laughs) So when you can do it, I don't know, there's some perverse pride in that. Anyone can work in a kitchen. And if anyone tells you you have to go to school, that's bullshit. It's a gig that's outside of the norm. It's not nine to five. It's not a Monday to Friday. It's totally its own world with its own rules. And it attracts a lot of rebels. And I was a rebel. And you're working with food, which is sort of this romantic, artistic thing. For about, yeah, like as long, it says 10 minutes, and then you're supposed to, the one that's going to be the top. I'll take this one. You, uh, you make your holes while it's still frozen. Working as a line cook appealed to Ivy. It was both an alternative lifestyle, but highly structured. So restaurant culture is based on mentorship where dissidence is just not allowed, barely even thought of. So you have a band of misfits under extreme pressure who are all under the guidance, usually, of a screaming maniac who only knows how to rule with fear and abuse because that's how he was brought up. So you have this system that just never dies. Make your holes while it's still frozen. Ivy put up with her share of abuse and patriarchy that's characteristic of the restaurant industry. Until one day, it just became too much. I had been cooking for five years, and we had just finished service, and a lot of things had gone wrong. It had just been a horrible service, and I was complaining about all the things that had gone wrong. And my chef at the time said, put a sock in it. I don't want, we don't want to hear it. This kind of thing doesn't help. But you say that you're a writer, so why don't you start writing about it instead of complaining about it? And I thought, yeah, I can do that. So I did. And then um, got my first piece in the Globe and Mail. Do you remember how that felt? Yeah, it was great because I wrote about how much I hated brunch. And the title of the piece was Brunch is Hell. And I didn't even think about the restaurant I was cooking in at the time and how they would feel about one of their own employees writing about how much they hated brunch. Uh, They didn't fire me, thankfully. 
And uh, <laughs> because I had that and it got some attention, I was able to get into some other publications and go on from there. Ivy started writing and didn't stop. Brunch is hell, or how being a line cook ruined me, are just a couple of examples of Ivy's headlines from the Globe and Mail and Vice. As one of the few female food journalists with firsthand restaurant experience, she's published exposés in major media across North America. Her investigative piece about sexual harassment allegations against a major Canadian winemaker started a conversation about toxic industry norms. Food trends have changed a lot since Ivy's childhood on PEI, and as she started to write about it, she began to see her childhood through different eyes. So it was like, oh, that actually was a real gift that we had those experiences. But at the time, of course, we didn't think that. When you're going to school and everybody has cheese Whiz sandwiches on Wonder Bread, and we've never even tasted Wonder Bread, and we have mom's homemade brown bread with alfalfa sprouts and avocado, and like no kid has ever even heard of either of those things. And so you might as well be eating, you know, lizard guts. (laughs) So, yeah, we didn't ever have anybody wanting to trade lunches with with us. Well, I think maybe there's something to be said for people who are ostracized for their weirdo lunches um, and becoming an out-of-the-box thinker and a a creative later in life. As much as Janine has been a support and trailblazer to Ivy over the years, Ivy can see how her parents showed her another path. And that there's real value in being an outsider. When I got into cooking and got into writing about food and got into those circles, when people found out how I grew up, they were so envious because this whole back to the land thing and everything we ate was organic, not because we were trying to be organic, just because that's the way it was. And none of the animals that we ate were factory farmed, things like that. I know that the ways in which my family were outsiders, I know that that has informed a lot of my writing. And I don't want to sound condescending towards my own mother, but I'm amazed by the way she turned out after all the things that she had been through. Because to me, when I think of my mother, I think of this legacy of kindness and charity. Like we were poor, but the generosity was overwhelming. Even though Ivy's mom isn't physically here with us today, she's on Ivy's mind. And when I mention this to my mom now and say, this is why I actually put my whole career on the line to investigate one of the most beloved winemakers in Canada, it's because of that core of kindness and generosity and charity and doing for others. And she just sort of look, gives me a blank look when I say this, because to her, it was just natural. And I'll always be grateful to her for that. And I'm going to cry now. <laughs> okay, have you guys, can you just tell us what, what we have in front of us? <laughs> we are having a slice of uh, a piece of uh, a tourtière that we just made this morning. And a salad just mm-hmm. with uh, lemon vinaigrette, lemon and honey and mustard. Um, Usually the, the tortilla is served with uh, hot vegetables such as carrots and peas, but this it's is a hot summer. day. It's That's the right. summer. So, first uh, bites? Did you have bon a first taste? Bon appétit, tout le monde. <laughs> <laughs>
So why Tortier? Why now? We didn't grow up with Tortier. I was an adult before I first tasted it, but it is the link to my grandmother. And there's something about it that could not be high end. So when uh, my aunt is making it with the frozen tender flake, it doesn't matter. It's like a very forgiving dish and I'm glad that I'm able to make it with her. Making and eating this tortilla brought Ivy's grandma mouth back into this kitchen. And it gave Ivy room to explore her French-Canadian roots with her Aunt Janine. More importantly, it gave Ivy a chance to see her own mom's kitchen in a different light. The tortilla can handle whatever you throw at it. And maybe that's why it's such an enduring French-Canadian dish. It's what you make it, kind of like family. And it's forgiving. That's what makes it so good. Like Ivy said, she's never had a bad one. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Home Cooked. If you want to make Ivy and Janine's tortillere, head over to homecookedpodcast.com for the recipe. You'll see portrait photographs by Christopher Wall. This episode of Home Cooked is produced by Mark Alster and me, with additional production by Catherine Jeanne and Sean Liliani. Editorial advisor is Margaret Daly. Artist Charlotte Fisick made all of our downloadable recipe cards. Our theme music is composed by Dan Misha Goldman and Sean Brody. Additional music composition in this episode by Sean Liliani. Nicole Edwards is associate producer. Sean Liliani is videographer. Candace Craig handles graphic design and web. Home Cooked is made possible thanks to Maple Leaf Foods. Please get in touch with us if you have a family recipe to share. I'm Sarah Martin. Thanks for listening. <laughs>